And now, for the show reflecting on classic radio, Hollywood 360, with your host, Carl Amari. Who's that strange-looking man, Bungie? That's Carl. I met him at the laundry mat. Sam, sweetheart. I don't know what to do, Rabbi. Every night he listens to the radio. I can't keep him away. The Lone Ranger, uh, the Shadow, the Master Avenger. Uh, this is not good. It tends to induce bad values, false dreams, lazy habits. Want to hear the most annoying sound in the world? <laughs> Hello, everyone. I'm Carl Amari, and this is Hollywood 360, the radio show that presents the best in classic radio. This hour on Hollywood 360, Brooke Temple stars as cowboy good guy Red Ryder from 1946. Then Eve Arden stars as English teacher Connie Brooks on another hilarious comedy episode of Our Miss Brooks from 1949. With me to help present these radio classics is my co-host, Lisa Wolf. What's up, Lisa? Hi, Carl. What's up? And look who's in there. Who? Mike Costello. Oh, right, Mike. Yeah, he got a haircut. See how short it is? I do. All right, well, it's good for radio because we don't want our listeners seeing how long his hair is. Right. right, that would not be good. Probably not. All right, well, you know what? We're going to start things off with a good cowboy drama on Red Rider. Now, this radio show was based on the popular comic strip by Steven Schlesinger and Fred Harmon. It came to radio in 1942 and lasted all the way to 1951. For a time, it even beat its rival, the Lone Ranger, in the ratings. It was billed as America's famous fighting cowboy. Red was a cowhand who acted as a deputy sheriff going after bad guys and bringing them to justice. Fred never killed his enemies, only shooting guns out of their hands. Reed Hadley, Carlton Cadell, and Brooke Temple all played Red Ryder over the run. 35 movies and serials were made, but it did not make a transition to television. We have an episode now of Red Ryder going back to December 28, 1946. This is called Treacherous is the Wolf. This stars Brooke Temple, part one of The Adventures of Red Ryder. Langendorf bread, finer, fresher, tastier. Langendorf bread, America's finest, presents The Adventures of Red Rider. From out of the West comes America's famous fighting cowboy. Rowdy, Dunham, there's storm. I'm freezing. I can't go a step further. You can't, eh? Can you hear that? Them wolves. Stop here and they'll get you sure as you're still breathing. Come on, Dunham, leave the fool alone. Maybe the wolves are going to get him, but that ain't no reason for us to freeze to death. There are thrills and chills galore in tonight's Red Rider adventure, as you probably already guessed from our little preview. Theodore Roosevelt's physician sent him out west to regain his health, because with all of its history of trouble, death, and destruction, the west also enjoyed a reputation as nature's playground, the great outdoors. But from the fiery wastes of Death Valley to the freezing crags of the grizzly Rockies, there was a wide variety in the climate. And as tonight's story of the west that lives forever commences, we find Red Rider, Buckskin, and Little Beaver discussing just this subject. Cat, bolt, and kick, Master Red. We hear it's a blowing up the cold, 
The cook had to pour hot water on me to get me out of the saddle. Yeah? Yeah, plum frizz right on the scissor bill. <laughs> you know the old saying, you can't fool a horsefly. Huh? But you don't think it's really cold, do you? Me plenty cold. Oh, sure, little baby. You're still wearing your summer feather. Yeah, now, nah, that there ain't nothing to josh about, Red. It's a cold my duck bumps has got duck bumps of their own. <laughs> what being duck bumps, Red Raider? Oh, just an old fogey's way of saying goose pimples. Well, of course, judging by buckskin, you'd think it was really cold out. Well, I, I ain't a saying it's the coldest ever been, but it's sure downright chilly. It remembers me of one time up in Montana. Now, there was a cold winter. I've frozen so many places when I sit down, I was still standing up. <laughs> That's nothing, Buckskin. A few years back, it was so cold here that when I came in from outside, my watch was blowing on its hands. Oh, <laughs> you call that that cold? Yeah. Why, one winter up in Dakota, I got so cold, I had to walk downstairs back. Why? My sheepskin coat had turned his tail inside. <laughs> you know, yawning like this is confusing. Little beaver, look at him stare at us. Me get him left, Red Rider. Yeah. Okay, yeah, just one more, and then I'm through. All right. Uh, back in '79, I was working on a slave in Colorado, and it was so cold it cost me my job. So cold it cost you your job. Well, how come? Well, I thought it was a cow I must arm as a milking. A dead gillet? You know what? What? The cow turned out to be a horse with icicles. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good one. <laughs> oh, that stops me, old timer. You know, Josh, on that side, I think it is going to be a cold winter. So just to make sure, how about riding into town and getting some real warm clothes? Huh? Me ready. Now you're making sense, Red. Little Beaver and me will go out and saddle up the horses. And this is what you call spring weather. Bet you're plenty cold up on Ghost Mountain right now. You don't have to worry, son. While you're wearing a suit of long underwear with your feather, you don't want to go any place where folks are going to see you anyway. Hey, Red, ain't that there a wagon coming toward us? Sure is covered wagon. Looks like it might be some new settlers coming in. They see him us, too. See him, they wave him at us. Guess they want him asking us questions. Well, I hope they're not long-winded. Sit out here a minute without moving, and we'll all be frozen like statues. Go, Sister Bill. Now, slow down. Oh, now. thunder. Terrible. Howdy, folks. Pardon us, folks. Did you tell us if we're going the right direction to get to Ghost Mountain? Yes, you are, but if you want a little free advice, I'd advise you staying off that mountain until this blizzard's over. Blizzard? What blizzard? The one that's blowing up right now. Feels like it's going to be worse than the one we had three years ago. That snowed in Ghost Mountain for almost six weeks. You see, what did I tell you? We better go back to Devil's Hole and wait until the weather's more favorable. Go back to Devil's Hole? You loco. Ain't come this far to turn back now. I don't know what your business is up on Bruce Martin, but it can't be important enough to risk being frozen to death. Maybe we better listen to the redhead party. This is his home country. He ought to know what he's talking about. Yeah? You don't sound as if you know what you're talking about if you think I'm going to turn back. Thanks, mister. Thanks for your advice. Get up. Get along. What in the world do you think is so important up on Ghost Mountain that them there three jesters are willing to risk being frozen to a snowman? I don't know, Buckskin, but I don't like the way that woman talked, the one that was driving the team. Him had them eyes like weasels. Hell, son, it's a sense that if we stand here flapping our jaws about three complete strangers, we're going to end up just as frozen as we said they'd be. 
So let's get the warm clothes for that. Don't worry about them later. Huh? Hey, you city man. Come on, city man. Let's get up moving. Just the same, Prouty. I still think we ought to take that redhead's advice and turn back before it starts to snow. All the gold bullion in the world ain't worth nothing to a fellow if he's froze to death. Now, you listen to me, Dunham. You too big here. Ain't turning back, no matter how much you talk. Yeah, hey, but like Dunham just said, what good will this gold do if you don't leave to spend it? We'll leave to spend it, all right. I suppose you think that redhead warned us about this snow just to hear himself talk. No, I don't, but... Uh... Jumping Jehoshaphat, what's that noise? Sounds human. Timberwolf, that's what it was. Yes, sir, I just heard another one off to the right of us. Crowdy, I tell you, I'm getting worried. Wolves, <laughs> They ain't no more wolves than we are. What's gotten through you anyhow, Prouty? I guess I know a timber wolf when I hear one. Yeah, Denham. Yes, I do too. Them shrieks ain't being made by no wolves. Humans, that's what it is. Humans shrieking like wolves, trying to scare us out of here. Scare us out of here? Now, what in the world for? I suppose they can find 40,000 and gold bullion every day in the week. Now, you ain't making no sense at all, honey. Turns your blood cold faster than this wind. Now, look here, proud Now, suppose you listen to me, both here. Know as well as I do, those three men who robbed Wells Fargo with that gold shipment did it nine years ago. You don't suppose it's going to lie around forever, do you? Well, that's right, but we got the map from the one who died, showing where they hid the bullion up there in the shack on Ghost Mountain. And that still don't mean we ain't surrounded by a lot of timber wolves. Jugheads. And the two told someone else where the gold was hidden before they were killed. Suppose someone wandering around this mountain found the shack yourself. You still think they'd want us up here? No, sir. I'm getting up my rifle and shooting the head off the first Jasper who crosses my sights. Help Buckskin inside with the packages, will you? Hey, wait a minute. Where are you going, Red? Well, while there's still some daylight, Buckskin, I'm going to turn around and go on back up on Ghost Mountain. Those three gents we let go up there earlier in the day have been getting my conscience an awful bad time. Ooh, I'd have down to here, much, Red. It'll be snow in a half hour. If you get caught up on Ghost Mountain alone, you'll be worse off than them. Well, just the same. I haven't got the heart to let those three old duffers go wandering around the blizzard without at least trying to help. If you go in there, Red Raider, me going with you. Oh, no, you won't, son. 
No matter how hard it snows, it isn't going to be enough to keep you from going to school. So you're going indoors right now and starting with your studies. Well, I don't have to go to no school. I'll ride up in Goose Mountain with you, Red. Maybe it'd be a lot better for all of us if you did have to go to school, Buckskin. Why, arithmetic to reading and writing. Hey, that's how I lost most of my hair. Having so much education inside of my head, the hair roots couldn't grow none. <laughs> all right, if you're coming, Buckskin, go on. Get back in that saddle and let's roll. All right. Jesus, is a bit... If I freeze to death, Red Rider, I'll come back and haunt you for the rest of my life. Now, you do just that, Buckskin. In this kind of weather, an extra sheet will be very welcome. All right, fella. Up that door. Come on, thunder. Get out of you doing. Here, give me that right shirt up, you fool. Oh, dead one. Between them wolves and this cold, I, I'd just as soon be dead. Well, you will be. If one of them buzzards who are trying to drive us off the mountain gets close enough to throw some lead. You mean to say you still believe that them ain't timber wolves? You're doggone right. It's all over. We're going to end up getting that bullion. Look. Where? Well, what do you see, Prouty? Hey, golly, maybe Prouty's right. I see it, too. Them ain't no wolves. There are two men riding horses closing in on us. Here, give me my rifle. Wait for the one on the right. Taking a beat on the other pole cat. Oh, for the love of peace. That shot smashed my rifle to bits. Take it. Get that six-gun out of your holster. Hold on there. Hold those guns down. We're not even hurt you. Oh, hold on a minute. That voice sounds familiar. Sure, it's familiar. That same redhead we met this afternoon. I'll take good care of him this time. You jump in, idiot. Put out that arrow. Oh, thunder. Oh, sit down. Huh. I'm if I got to take that rifle away from you and wrap it around your neck. <laughs> no, confound you. Let go of it. Well, this is a fine lot of appreciation. I'll say it's a fine lot of appreciation. Come up here to see if they ain't us to death and they practically burn us down with lead. Well, you see, friend, them timber wolves have got us pretty much on edge. Timber wolves, my eye. Told you before, them's two-legged wolves. Are you local? Those certainly are timber wolves. They've been driven down from the top of the mountain by the storm. They know there won't be anything to eat up there for weeks to come. Yes, sir. And if you keep on hanging around here, then that wolves will end up by eating you. <laughs> well, if you're all through, we'll appreciate you going back the way you come from and trying to scare each other. Uh, why we're up here and why we're staying is our business. And uh, we're making mighty sure you don't stick your noses into it. Is that clear? Come on, Buckskin. The way he talks, it's hard to tell just who the wolves really are prowling ghost mode. Late the following day, and Prouty, Dunham, and Baker had been wandering around through a blinding blizzard, desperately trying to find the shack where they believe the 40,000 in gold bullion is hidden. As we join them now, they are barely able to... Prouty, I don't believe I can go any further. <laughs> Me too. Maybe I was wrong. I'm trapped in this snow now. Wait a minute. Do I see something or am I going snow blind? No, Prouty. I see it too. It's it's a shack. It's the cabin we've been looking for. Oh, brother. Another five minutes and I wouldn't have cared if we found it or not. Come on. Come on, Baker. I'm a coming. 
Come on in, Freddy. Well, it's nothing but providence. That's what it is. Providence. Uh, they can just find a match. I got one someplace. Here, wait a minute. There now. Hey, this ain't bad. Ain't bad at all. You can bust up that broken-down table and chair and get a fire started. Here, give me another match. Yeah, I can. I like this lamp. There we are. Yeah, this is more like it. Okay. When you hear them timber wolves, you can get down on your knees and give thanks that you're inside, eh, Baker? I says, the baker, the crowdy, the baker's not here. Well, he must be. Uh, he was with us when uh, you saw the cabin. He was right behind me. Oh, maybe he slipped on the trail. Well, I'd better go see. Huh? Well, you see anything, Donovan? Yeah. I see something, all right. What do you mean? Nothing out there now, Crowdy. Nothing but the tracks of a timber wolf. Wolves? Taken? We better bust up this table and chair, Crowdy. We better get a fire going. Yeah. We better get a fire going. Fast. Nice around this fireplace, but we should turn in. Oh, Chuck and Fred. Even with four blankets and two of them there southern comforts on the bed. We'll be half as, half as warm as round the fire here. Yeah, we should get paid. Take those three men up on that mountain. Oh, Goose Pimple, it's a gorgeous brewing watches, Red. You were too much. Well, can't help it. I've got a little conscience left. And the first thing in the morning, I'm saddling up and riding back up there. But that not your ding dong stepperness. You pink-haired vomit, you already tried to help him. You might have got perforated for all your trouble. I may even get perforated proper this time, Buckskin. But when the sun comes up tomorrow morning, I'm going to be aboard Thunder and riding. <laughs> We can't be more than a half a mile away from the North Pole. Maybe you're right, Buckskin. The way you're bundled up, you look like a great big piece of whale blubber anyhow. <laughs> uh, look who's a-laughing, <laughs> If little beaver don't look like an Eskimo, I'll eat a ton of cattle and tallers. Hold it, hold it, hold it. Whoa, 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 What's the matter, Red Gregor? Why are you stopping? As you see, there's a wagon. Those three came up to Ghost Mountain in two days ago. Steady, Thunder. Steady, boy. Anybody in that there wagon, Red? Not a soul. And the worst thing is their supplies are in that wagon. If they've wandered off any place, and I'm afraid they have. They'll either freeze or starve to death. Yeah. If that there wolf critters don't get them first. Everything all right, little beaver? You can still see the tracks, Red Gregor. All right, let's keep going. While we can still see their tracks, there's still hope. Wait, look out. Great jumping Jiminy. It's the last time that wolf will ever try to jump anybody. Keep moving, fella. If you stop now, we'll all freeze. Red 
Raiders see something funny in the trail. Where, son? What is it? A big lump under snow. Who, who? Lean up. Who should be holding? Peppers. Marion, what is it? It's what that wolf was after. You mean the wolf not coming after us? No, this is one of the three men, son. The little old fella. Must have tripped and stumbled and the snow covered him up. Hmm. Close to death, eh, Red? No, fortunately not. Almost, though. Come on, both of you. Get off those ponies. Lend me a hand. A little brisk rubbing and some strong coffee may be able to pull the old gent around. That's the first portion of Red Rider. More after these words. More Hollywood 360 after these important messages. And now back to Hollywood 360 with Carl Amari. Now back to Red Rider. Well, Prouty, anything behind that wall? Uh, I think so. I think this is where that bullion's hid. Uh, wait a minute. There we are. Dunham, it's here. Here's the gold. It's too bad that Baker couldn't have lived to get his share of it. After all, it was him who took that crook in when he was dying and got the map and the story. Yeah. Well, it was you and me who put up the money to buy the wagon. Well, just the same. It's a shame that Baker couldn't have lived. Well, you know, keeping on talking about it ain't going to bring him back. Yeah. A fine lot of good the gold's going to do either one of us if this storm don't quit. Yeah, keep on forever. Neither can we, without food. A couple of more days and we'll be starving. Starving just like them timber wolves. You shut up. You have to keep talking about Baker and them wolves. Well, I I knew it was getting weak. I, I should have hung on to them. You're going to quit that? Stop yelling at me. Yeah, since when are you giving me orders? I told you to quit yelling at me. Hear that? Wolves are hungry. And if they had uh, something to eat, they'd uh, go away and leave me alone. What do you mean? Leave you alone. You heard me. I mean, uh, leave me alone. Me. Just me. Trouble with you is you're going loco up here. You're worried from not eating. Now sit down. No, no. Being hungry has just made me think a little clearer. Quit staring at me like that, Proddy. I was just thinking. Yeah? Yeah, just thinking about you. I know what you're thinking about. You're thinking you'd like that 40000 alone. Ain't gonna do Baker no good. Who's talking about Baker now? I am. Baker's dead. I got a feeling you're soon gonna be. Yeah. Soon. Rowdy, you're no better than them wolves out there. Yeah, maybe you're a little worse. Maybe. That's smart. <laughs> a lot smarter, Doug. Well, you're going to have to torture me along with it. Squeeze the trigger. I'm going to, Doug. I'm going to squeeze the trigger. And you know what? Then I'm going to pick you up and then I... 
Fella, but you sure saved my life. And he saved mine, too, Dunham. Baker! Oh, we thought that you were... Something had happened to you. Yeah, something had happened to all of us. If somebody don't shut that air door, we're all going to be found up here first to death. Now, you're sure you know your way into the sheriff's office, Mr. Dunham? It does on right. I'm turning this polecat Prouty over to the sheriff for attempted murder. Yeah, for two attempted murders. He hit me an awful crack on the head and left me out there to die. Uh, he gets about the most sneakiest bushwhacker I ever met. Oh, uh, don't forget to turn over that bullion to the sheriff. Don't worry, Red. There's too much blood on that gold for me to want it. Baker and me will just take the reward. You're blamed right. That's all we're taking. Get up there. Get your move. Well, so long, fellas. So long. All right, boys. Let's us be getting on home, huh? You betcha. Get off, Pat Boost. Get off. Get... Come on, Citibel. All right, get started, boy. Let's get on home. Come on, home. Tuesday and every Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday night at 7.30 for The Adventures of Red Rider. Now till next Tuesday, this is Art Gilmore saying goodnight for the bakers of Langendorf Red. This is the Mutual Don Lee Broadcasting System. KHJ Los Angeles. And that's The Adventures of Red Rider from December 28th, 1946, with Treacherous is the Wolf, starring Brooke Temple. That was sponsored by Langendorf Bread. I don't think that's around anymore, Langendorf Bread. No, but it sounds delicious. Yeah, <laughs> it's heard on Mutual. Uh, before we tune into our Miss Brooks, I want to remind all of our listeners that we have a website called Hollywood360radio.com. Check it out. When you go there, you'll also see a banner for our cruise, the classic radio cruise. Hopefully, you'll want to join Lisa and me throughout the Caribbean. It's Eastern Caribbean. We're going to uh, the Bahamas, St. Martin, and St. Thomas. That's February 16th through the 23rd, right, Lisa? We will be there, and we promise we will have a great time. Yes, we will. On the biggest ship in the world. It's the biggest passenger ship in the world, the Symphony of the Seas. Just go to our website, Hollywood360radio.com. Check our banner out. Click through it. Write to Kelly Cruises, or you can call. Yeah, give them a call at 630-990-1111. All right, time now for our Miss Brooks. Let's go back to January 2nd, 1949, for a show called Old Clothing. This stars Eve Arden, part one of Our Miss Brooks. I'm Olive Soap, your beauty hope and luster cream shampoo for soft, glamorous dream girl hair. 
bring you Our Miss Brooks, starring Eve Arden. Like many of her colleagues in the teaching profession, Our Miss Brooks, Madison High School's English teacher, watched the year 1948 come to an end with mixed emotions. As she puts it, Although the year didn't start off brilliantly or develop too sensationally, it certainly wound up in a blaze of nothing. Of Of course, I did enjoy my two weeks' vacation. In fact, I spent most of the money I was going to borrow in the next three months. The afternoon of New Year's Eve, Friday, December 31st, for those that still can't remember... I was chatting with my landlady, Mrs. Davis. Well, Connie, I guess you've got big plans for this evening. Frankly, I haven't got any plans at all, Mrs. Davis. Of course, I do have a date with the bashful biologist. (laughs) Mr. Boynton, what are you going to do, Connie? Probably the same thing we did last year. Pool our money and go to Hip Sings for dinner. (laughs) Fine way to spend New Year's Eve. Two Americans go to a Chinese restaurant, Dutch. What are you going to do, Mrs. Davis? Oh, I'm going to visit my sister, Angela. She's so absent-minded, poor thing. She'll probably be surprised to see me, although it was only last week that she invited me over. What time do you think you'll be leaving, Mrs. Davis? Leaving? For where? (laughs) For your sisters. For my sister's what? (laughs) For your sister's house. Oh. Oh, I'm glad you reminded me, Connie. I've been making... (laughs) I've been making up my New Year's resolutions, and that's the first thing on the list. I've resolved to correct Angela's absent-mindedness. Angela's absent-mindedness. What else is on the list? What list? (laughs) Maybe I'd better talk to Minerva the cat for a while. We were talking about New Year's resolutions, Mrs. Davis. Oh, yes. I'm sorry I wasn't paying attention, Connie. Tell me the rest of your resolutions. Well, first of all, I've resolved not to... What resolution? (laughs) We were speaking of yours, Mrs. Davis. And before you say my what, I'd like to ask you again the question I asked when we were both younger. (laughs) Namely, when are you going over to your sister's house? (laughs) Maybe you better not go out tonight, Connie. You sound very strange. (laughs) It's just the way you're listening. (laughs) Or are you, Mrs. Davis? Of course I'm Mrs. Davis. (laughs) Now, you lie down and let me fix you some hot tea. I don't want any hot tea. I just want an answer. Thanks, Minerva. (laughs) Now, about this evening, Mrs. Davis... Hello, Minerva. Want some milk, dear? I'll get you some in a minute. You were saying, Miss Brooks? This evening? Your sister's house? Yes, I'm going over there tonight. I know, Mrs. Davis. Meow. Right away, Minerva. What time, Mrs. Davis? It's, um, a quarter of four now, but I'm always fast. <laughs> get away from those curtains, Minerva. I'll fetch your saucer right away. Keep an eye on her, will you, Angela? I'll be glad to, Connie. Come on, just hop into my lap, Mrs. Davis There's a good dog This is getting contagious Oh, coming Excuse me, Minerva Why, it's Monsieur Monet, come in Merci, mademoiselle, thank you It's nice you remember me 
Remember you? Why, Monsieur Monet, you're Madison High's favorite French teacher. Oh, for that, Miss Brooks, permit me to kiss your hand. (laughs) Well, let's not give the other hand the complex. (laughs) Certainly not. I, uh, I trust that I'm not arrived at, how you say, inopportunity time. What? Oh, <laughs> no, this is very opportunity time. Won't you sit down, Monsieur Manet? Oh, thank you, Miss Brooks. But now that I'm teaching in America, I would appreciate it if you would call me in America. All right, what's your number? <laughs> no, 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 I mean call me Mr. Monet instead of Monsieur. Oh, certainly. Here you are, Kitty. Here's a nice saucer of... Oh, I didn't know anyone had come in. This is Mr. Monet, Mrs. Davis, our new French teacher at Madison. Oh, how do you do, Mr. Monet? How do you do, Mrs. Davis? I kiss your hand, madame. I'll hold your saucer, madame. (laughs) A lovely lady with a lovely hand. (laughs) Meow! Stick out your paw, Minerva, you're next. If Mr. Monet came over to see you, Connie, I'm sure he doesn't want to talk to Minerva. I'll just take her into the kitchen. Come along, dear. There's a good kitty. Come drink your milk out here. So nice to have met you, Mr. Monet. Oh, likewise, I'm sure. She's very nice here, Mrs. Davis. But why she run away so fast? In the words of some of my pupils, why she took some powder and put it on the lamb? <laughs> Oh, you mean she took a powder or took it on the lamb? May we? She flew out of here like a bat out of Mr. the... Mr. Manette. <laughs> You're learning faster than your teaching. <laughs> now, Mrs. Davis was just being tactful. I guess she thought you wanted to be alone with me. Alone with you? But why, Miss Brooks? I'm a married man. Oh, I know, but Mrs. Davis doesn't know about your wife, Mr. Manet. Oh, oh, Miss Brooks, I, I don't know what plans you have made for New Year's Eve, but my wife Elaine and I would be very flattery if you would join us. Well, thanks, Mr. Manet. I'm flattery that you should ask me. <laughs> but as far as I know, Mr. Boynton is taking me out tonight. Oh, then you both must come. You see, this is not an ordinary party, Miss Brooks, although we're all going to wear evening clothes and try to have the best possible time. Elaine and I, we realize that among school teachers. There are very few, um, how do you call it, malted millionaires? Some of us are too thick to drink with a straw. (laughs) What you're trying to tell me is that the evening won't cost much money, is that right? Oh, it will cost you no money, Miss Brooks, but there is an admission charge. Kind of blood? (laughs) No, 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 just some old clothes. You see, I am in charge of a committee to send clothing to the poor people in France. Any sort of clothes would do, Miss Brooks. Anything that is made of cloth. Why, that sounds like a wonderful idea, Mr. Manet. I'll be delighted to come. And Mr. Boynton, do you speak for him as well? Mr. Boynton has been spoken for many times. The trouble is he doesn't answer. Oh, you mean about tonight. Yes, Mr. Manet, I feel sure I can speak for Mr. Boynton. Oh, fine. I'll be leaving then. I'll walk you to the door, Mr. Manet. Oh, my address is uh, 9066 Shawm Drive. Try to get there before 10. And I'm sure that as my students say... We will have a ball. <laughs> I'm sure that we will. Yes, until tonight then, Miss Brooks. Stay in the groove. Oh, Natch, Mr. Manet, Natch. And Mr. Manet. Yes? Don't take any wooden francs.
Mr. Monet left, I tried to get Mr. Boynton on the phone to tell him about the invitation. But ours is a party line, a four-party line to be exact, and every time I picked up the receiver, it was in use. Always careful not to lose my temper, I sat by the phone and drummed lightly on the top of the table until my five fingernails were impaled in the mahogany. (laughs) Then I tried it once more. As sure as my name is Lucy Schofield, that's the only way to treat men, Emma. Believe me, if I had to do it all over again, Emma, I'd... Oh, excuse me a minute, dear. I think I smell my roast burning in the kitchen. Now, that's a coincidence, Lucy. I smell my grapes burning in the living room. (laughs) Hang up now. I'll call you back. So much for Emma and Lucy. I'll try it again. Oh, it worked. At least I can dial now. I hope Lucy doesn't think Emma was kidding her. Happy New Year, Daisy. Is Fred there? <laughs> this isn't Daisy, and Fred isn't here. Will you please get off the line? I'm trying to get off the line. Just what I said. Get off this line. Oh, Mrs. Telephone Company, huh? <laughs> this happens to be a party line, and I happen to be the party using it at the moment. Oh, well, that's different. If you want me to come to a party, I'll be glad to talk to you. <laughs> My name is Frank Pollock. What's yours? It doesn't matter. I only... Say, Frank. Frank, are you still there? I'm still there. I was mighty nice of you to call me, Daisy. What I think of the way I treated you. <laughs> the shameful, horrible way I treated you. Don't cry, Frank. I had it coming. No. Now, will you please hang up? Your bottle is falling out of the chandelier. <laughs> well, thanks, Daisy. You're a great girl. And tell Fred to give me a buzz when he gets in. Bye now. <laughs> He's getting an early start. When a body meets a body, he's had too much ride. <laughs> Hello? Hello, Mr. Boynton. This is Miss Brooks. I assume we still have a date for tonight. Tonight? Oh, this is Friday, isn't it? Yes, December 31st. Thirty-first, eh? Yes, you know, the day we celebrate the appearance of the first enchilada north of Laredo, Texas. <laughs> I know it's New Year's Eve, Miss Brooks. What are we going to do to kill a few hours together? We'll think of something, you mad, impetuous boy. <laughs> As a matter of fact, that's why I called. Mr. Monet and his wife are having a little impromptu party at their house, and they've invited us. Uh, what kind of party? Well, you have to have some old clothes, and then you should... Hello? Is that you, Emma? I didn't quite understand you before. No, this is not Emma. This is your friendly, cooperative, party-line neighbor. Oh, the magpie. Magpie? (laughs) (laughs) Who are you talking to? I'm talking to nonstop Nellie, the human dial tone. (laughs) Now, will you you please stop this filibuster and get off the line? Well, the phone company will hear about this. Are you there, Miss Brooks? Yes, Mr. Boynton. As I started to tell you, although it's a formal party, we're supposed to have some piece of apparel that we can... Happy New Year. Oh, again. Who's that? Well, it's about time you got home, Fred. That is not Fred. Oh, it isn't, huh? No, it isn't. Uh, as Fred's oldest and closest friend, I demand to know who it is. <laughs> now, see here, old man. I'm not your old man. <laughs> I don't even know where your old man is. <laughs> I don't even know where my old man is. <laughs> no, you see, but I don't even know where my old man is. <laughs> oh, 
up now. You can't, Daisy. You can't hang up. Not without you tell me where my old man is. <laughs> Daisy. Listen, Mr. Nobody Borman. Wants to tell me where All my you old have to do is, is bring some old clothes with you. What's that? I don't know. Now, please, Hux, bring some old clothes and pick me up in a couple of hours. Even though I gave you a pretty hot deal. Did he smash some along and break me out? I'll see you later. Who introduced you to Fred? Tell me that. Who introduced you to Fred? You did, Frank, and I love you for it. <laughs> if you don't get off this phone, I'll have you thrown out of the bar you're calling from. Bar? Oh, is that where I'm calling from? Bless you, Daisy. You helped me find my old man. <laughs> sure, he's sitting on the stool next to me. <laughs> and that's the first portion of Our Miss Brooks. More after these words. More Hollywood 360 after these important messages. Now back to the best in classic radio on Hollywood 360. Well, next time here on Hollywood 360, we'll tune in to the conclusion to Our Miss Brooks starring Eve Arden. Then it's part six of our ten-part Adventures by Morse episode of The Cobra King Strikes Back. That's next time here on Hollywood 360. We'll see you then.